Well, good morning again. Good morning to you online. Thank you for joining us. So we're going to see how this goes. <clears throat> I am not well, which may bode well for you. <laughs> I think it is a test. Ever since I started this series on troubles, it's like God has been, let's see how you do. <laughs> so we're in a series called The Relational Jesus and uh, looking at how Jesus related to people. And what we can learn from those interactions. And, and uh, a lot of things that Jesus said are difficult. He said a lot of difficult things. Um, and this one that I kind of have been using as the theme for this mini-series within the series for the last few weeks on troubles is John 16:33. It's what he shared with his disciples right before leaving them to, to go to the cross. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And we've been looking at this for a few weeks now, and the troubles that, that Jesus referred to, I've kind of broken them down into three, temptations, trials, and tests. We've done temptations and trials. You can go to our website, our Facebook page, um, get any of the messages there. Today, we're going to look at tests. Everybody, who likes a test? Yeah, we got one person. Yeah, and I believe you. <laughs> Why does the Lord test us and does the Lord test us? And if so... Why does he test us? So we're going to look at a passage of scripture that most of you are familiar with. It's in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. So whenever I read a passage of scripture like this, I always try to insert myself into the story. What would it be like to be there, to be sitting with Jesus? So you're up on a hillside trying to catch your breath. It's late in the day. It's been crazy. You've been inundated with people, thousands of people, demanding, needy people. 
and you're worn out. So you decide, let's cross the lake. So they go across the lake, and then they get to the other side of the lake, and think, well, no, no, let's go up on the hill too. So they've crossed the lake, and they've gone up on the hill, on the mountain, just to get away from all of these needy people. So they're sitting there with Jesus, and Jesus sees this crowd. They've come across the lake. They've come around the lake. They're making their way up the hill, and the guys are sitting there, and I, and I imagine they all look to Jesus. Like, what, what are we going to do? They know he has the power. These people that are coming are coming because Jesus can heal them. That's what they're there for. He's, he's the miracle man. So put yourself in Philip's shoes, because this is all about Philip. You're sitting with Jesus, and all of a sudden, Jesus turns to you. I would hate that. Well, no, no, maybe. Peter is the big guy. Talk to Peter. <laughs> and Jesus looks at Philip. You've got this situation. Everybody's tired. And Jesus says to Philip, what are we going to do, Phil? And I'm sure Philip's just thinking, why are you bothering me? Why are you asking me? I don't know what to do. There's no way we can feed all of these people. Why are you asking me? And the scripture says that Jesus was testing Philip. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. So why would Jesus have wanted to test Philip? So like I said, anyone enjoy tests? We had, we had one here. You know, you go into school and the teacher announces the pop test, right? Everybody goes, yeah, no. <laughs> Some people are completely freaked out at tests, examinations. I, I remember my daughter, Rachel, we could go over the spelling test every week with her. She would know every single word, and every week she would fail the test. Because as soon as she sat down and it was test time, she couldn't think straight. And on the flip side of that, I remember I struggled at math in school. And I was in the second to last year of school, second to last semester, and you know, sometimes something just clicks for you. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, why didn't they tell me that at the start? And we were having our final exams for that semester, and our class was typically about 34, 35 students. And I always did enough to stay in the class. I would come about 33rd. The bottom two goes down to the next class, and the, we have a weird system in England. And I don't know what it was. It just clicked, and I was third. And the teacher sent me to the principal's office. Go down and talk to the principal. I got to the principal's office, and he said, did you cheat? I said, no, I just, all of a sudden, it just makes sense. And he was great. He just said, okay, off you go. All my friends cheated off of me. <laughs> I became a hero all of a sudden. But tests, you know, some people hate them. Most people hate them. But tests are important, aren't they? I mean, who can remember passing their driving test? I've done two driving tests. Actually, I've done four driving tests. I didn't pass my first one in England, and I had to retake it. And then when we moved to Canada, we had, there's this weird system that you could drive on your British license for 18 months. But in that 18 months, you had to take a Canadian driving test, because you people all drive on the wrong side of the road. And if you passed it, that was good. Well, in England, it was just a driven test. In Canada, it was a written 
and a driven test. So my wife, who is wise, <laughs> decided to get the rule book of Canadian thriving and read the book. And I, who already know everything, decided that wasn't necessary. How different can it be? So I drove to the test center, failed the test, and drove home again because I had my British license. <laughs> then I studied and did the test. But I think most people would agree a driving test is important, isn't it? I mean, you want to know that the other people who are on the road with you have at least some level of competency, that they maybe know some of the rules, and they've had to pass a test to, to be driving on the road with you. And, and as much as we detest a test, I think we all know that they're valuable. I mean, if you're going in for surgery, you want to know that that doctor passed the test, right? And maybe he should have had like 10 tests. And a higher score, the better. I, I want this guy fully proficient. You get on an airplane. You want to know that the pilot passed the test. You don't want to get on there with someone that, even if you pass a test, oh, I got a 56. They pass you at 55. Oh, no, no, no. So tests are important. But what is the purpose of a test? A test reveals the competency of the person taking the test. Did they learn the material? Did they get it? Do they know where and how to apply it? Now, one thing we know, the person who assigned the test already knows the answers. They're not giving you the test so that they can get the answers. I know some of you think they did, but <laughs> I can see a few nods there. They are testing you to discover, for you to discover the answer to the questions. You see, the test is as much about giving you competence, knowing that you could pass the test, knowing that you know the material, as it is about letting the tester know that you can pass the test. I mean, how do you feel when you pass a test? You might not like a test, but how do you feel when you passed it? Yeah, man, I passed the test. If you did really well, what do you do? You come and ace that test. Woo. So why did Jesus test Philip? The miracle wasn't really for the people. They benefited. They got fish. They got bread. They got fed. But the miracle was for Philip and the disciples. Jesus had this conversation before the people got there. They're on their way, and he looks at Philip, and he asks him the question, Phil, we got a problem here. What are we going to do? The weird thing is, the people that were coming up the hill, they understood and they knew who Jesus was. They're coming up the hill because this guy's got the power. He can perform miracles. He can heal. The very guy sitting with Jesus, his disciples, who should have known that, straight over their heads. Philip saw the problem through his humanity. Oh, I don't know, Jesus. Can't be done. We could work for months. We wouldn't have enough to feed this group. And then Andrew just adds to the problem by pointing out that their resources are extremely limited. We got two fish and five loaves. We're done. <laughs> Can't be done. Philip should have known. That was the test. Philip should have known. Jesus wasn't expecting Philip to perform a miracle. Jesus was expecting Philip to look at him and say, I don't know what we can do, Jesus, but I know you can do something. My trust is in you. That was the test that Philip had, and he failed the test. 
He looked at his own abilities and their abilities, and he based what could be done on them. By asking Philip the question, Jesus involved him in the process. He wanted Philip to be more than simply a witness. Now, these guys have been walking with Jesus. They've seen him performing miracles. It's like, have you ever been somewhere, you've been the passenger in a car, and you don't really think about where you're going? And then maybe the other person says, can you drive? It's like, oh, man, I I don't know. Because I haven't taken any notice on where we turned, what we did, because I'm just relying on you. I think it's a little bit that way with Jesus. They're just watching him perform miracles. It's passive. They're not involved in the process. By simply asking Philip this question, putting Philip to the test, he involved him in the process. All of a sudden, Philip is thinking about the problem. Then Jesus solves the problem. How do you think Philip feels now? Hmm. Maybe I should have come up with that. (laughs) Maybe I should have just looked at Jesus and said, I think you can do it, Jesus. He failed the test. Now, the ultimate goal of the Lord's testing is always to strengthen us, always to make us better. Satan tempts us. The purpose of a temptation is to weaken us, to separate us from God. The purpose of a test is to strengthen us and draw us to God. We can be strengthened even when we don't pass the test. It's an important note. You don't have to pass the test. You can, be, you can learn what Jesus wants you to learn and not pass the test. See, Jesus could have performed this miracle without asking Philip. But the experience was so much more beneficial to Philip because Jesus involved him. It was about teaching Philip to trust the Lord. And I think he got it. I'll bet you if it ever happened again, Jesus is asking Philip a question. I don't know what we're going to do, Jesus, but... I'm trusting in you for this one. He learned the lesson. When the Lord tests us, he is testing our trust in him. That's important because sometimes we think he's he's testing how much he can trust us. He is testing how much we trust him. Do you trust me? And it's not about our strength or our ability. It's about his strength and his ability. James chapter 1 verses verses 2 and 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Yeah, right. For you know that when your faith is tested, your faith in what? In God, in Jesus, in the Lord. So you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. The question that you're going to be asking yourself, am I going to trust in the Lord or am I going to cave? I mean, that's the hard line of this one. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. There's a similar passage in Romans. It says we can rejoice too. When we run into problems and trials, I don't know what it was about these guys wanting to rejoice in the middle of all these trials. 
I mean, I can learn from trials, but I'm not running around with a big old smile on my face. You know, bring it on, God, this is great. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Same statement. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. We need to have the confidence to invite the Lord's testing. I always used to pray for faith. It was a thing that I did on a regular basis. God, would you increase my faith? I'm not sure I've shared this with you. My friend Alan up in Canada, he used to think, you're nuts. Why do you do that? Well, because I want greater faith. The only way you can know how much faith you have is when your faith is tested. We need to have the confidence to invite the Lord's testing. I want to be that person. I want to have that strength of character. I want to have everything I need so that stuff doesn't bother me. My life is better when I trust in the Lord. So bring it on, God. And every time I prayed for faith, sure enough, God would. Something would happen. Or things would happen. To the point where my wife used to say to me, have you been praying again? Were you praying for faith? You need to warn me. <laughs> Sometimes the Lord allows troubles to enter our lives in the form of a test. And the purpose of the test is to strengthen us to help us develop endurance so that we are able to withstand the storms of life without crumbling. Who would like to be able to withstand the storms of life without crumbling? I mean, wouldn't that be a good thing? Whatever comes along, and it's coming, isn't it? That you could be rock solid. Now, there's a problem. I think that often we don't see the test for what it is. We see it as a trial. And we start praying, God, why are you doing this to me? God, why are you allowing this? Oh, God, get me out of this. And God's saying, I'm not getting you out of this. I am doing this to you. It's a test because I want to strengthen you. But you're not seeing it as a test because your perspective is wrong. You're just seeing it as a trial. You're seeing it as trouble. We've got to learn to recognize a test. Now, did I put this in your notes? Oh, good. A test will always have an opportunity to compromise. There's always an opportunity to com compromise. When God gives us a test, there's a way that we can compromise on our faith and our trust in Him. So that's, that's kind of sign one, is this a test? A test will always have an opportunity for growth. I can grow in this thing. If it's a temptation, which will off offer you an opportunity to compromise... It's only a negative thing. A test is a positive thing. Will always give you an opportunity for growth. And a test will always cause a crisis of faith. What I mean by that, God doesn't give us stuff that, oh, this is easy. If he's going to test us, if he's going to strengthen us, it's going to require us to maybe make a sacrifice, to maybe step out of our comfort zone, to do something that, that we're not comfortable with doing. It's going to bring us to a crisis of faith. To trust in Jesus means i got to lay aside my safety net. 
to trust in him. You know, I heard a sermon a couple weeks ago on the radio. It's kind of what inspired me to look at this. Look at this. And I like what the guy said. He said, if we viewed our trials as tests that we need to pass, we would probably view our trials completely differently. You know, my wife was a secret shopper one time. You know what a secret shopper is? People that are working for the company and they send you into the store to ask hard questions or to do stuff to test the employees who are working there. And she did this for quite a while, and she really enjoyed it. And um, if you knew that the person that you were dealing with was a secret shopper, how would that change how you dealt with them? You know, the person comes into the bank, and, and, and they come in with $50 worth of nickels. But if you thought, this is a test and I want to pass the test, you got a big old smile on your face. Oh, you've been saving your nickels. Good for you. Let me have your nickels. I love you. <laughs> but it's a change of perspective. If we started to look at many of the things that we see in our lives as trials, as tests that we have to pass, how would that change your perspective to that struggle? All of a sudden, it's different, right? I want to pass this test. I don't want to fail this test. I want to overcome this. I want to pass it. How are we doing for time? All right. Let me tie this all together. Why does God test us? Number one, to bless us. That doesn't make any sense. How do you feel when you pass a test? Good. That's a blessing, isn't it? Pass the test. It feels good. Not only that, when you see the Lord in action, how do you think Philip... And the rest of the guys felt, why did Jesus tell them to go pick up the remainders? He didn't need to, did he? He just proved that he could change two fish and five loaves into enough food for 5,000. So why are they going around with baskets to pick up what's left? Because he wanted them to understand the magnitude of this miracle. And I don't know if you catch it in the scripture, there are 12 baskets and 12 disciples. Each one gets a basket. They go out, they fill up a basket full of food. And they're thinking to themselves, man, this is pretty awesome. This is pretty cool. This is Jesus. It was a blessing. Number two, to make us more useful or reliable. So you take your driver's test. You can drive a car, right? But if you keep on training, maybe they let you drive a bus. And if you keep on training, maybe they'll let you drive a truck. And if you keep on training, maybe you can drive a train. I don't know. <laughs> and if you keep on, we're going to give you a pilot's license. You can fly a little airplane. You keep on, you get a bigger airplane. You keep on, you get a jet. You keep on passing tests. We got a space shuttle for you, buddy. The more tests you pass, the more reliable you are to God, the more useful you are to God. You pass that test, it might seem like a struggle at first, but once you pass it, it's like, wow, Jesus, that was good. It strengthens you. You're ready for the next thing, and then the next thing, and then the next thing, which leads to the first one, 
The third one, to strengthen us, to show himself strong in our lives. Your faith is not simply about how much you can be trusted. It's about how much you trust the Lord. That's what this is about. The greater your faith, the greater your trust in the Lord. The greater your trust in the Lord, the more confident you are in life. It's hard for things to shake you when you've got a rock-solid faith in Jesus. That goes back to that verse, John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The peace and the troubles are simultaneous occurrences that Jesus is telling them. He said, I'm not rescuing you from the world, but I've overcome the world. And if you've got a rock-solid faith in me, a trust in me, it doesn't matter what goes on in the world, you will have peace. Your faith will not be shaken. And the last one, and I think it's the most important one, to give us a testimony. You notice these words, test, testing, testimony, testify. The purpose of the testing of your faith is so that you may have a testimony. You may have a story to tell about Jesus and bring glory to God so that other people may come to know God and in turn have a testimony. That's why we're all sitting here today. For 2,000 years, people have been paying it forward. They've had trust in Jesus. Man, this Jesus guy, he's something else. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. 2,000 years we've been telling, let me tell you about my Jesus. My Jesus, whoo, he's rock solid. You cannot know the depth or the strength of your faith unless it is tested. Now, I want to kind of finish up here. I want to share why this is important right now. And I hate to be this kind of person, but I am. <laughs> we are heading into unprecedented times, I believe. And we need to be strong. Everything's going down the tubes real fast, isn't it? All across the world. Economists saying there's going to be a worldwide recession. The whole thing with Ukraine and Russia driving that to a certain degree. It's going to get tough. People are going to lose jobs. Prices are going to go up. OPEC, you know, in the middle of all of this, decide we're cutting back on production. Thank you very much. Russia's part of OPEC. When I think about divine tests, one thing I think about this church, you, you can always go to the tests that you failed. They're real quick. But one thing when I think about divine tests and I think about this church, our strength, the test that we have passed is our community. We have a rock-solid community at Lakeway. The number of people in small groups compared to the number of people that attend is way off the charts. I love it whenever I go to Denton Baptist Association and say, well, how many people do you have in small groups? Well, how many people do you have meetings? <laughs> what? Like 60% of your people are in small groups? been that way for years. We are strong at community, but we're going to need to be even stronger at community in the coming days. 
Because when it gets tough, there are going to be people out there in the world who are desperate, looking for hope, looking for somewhere to turn to. And we have the answer. The faith in the middle of troubles to bring peace comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. We have that answer, and we need to share that answer with people. That's why we're starting Sunday school. Not next week, the week after next. Because it's another way of bringing people into community. And if you're in here right now and you're not in community, you're kind of on the fringe, I want to encourage you. You need to get into a small group. You need to get into Sunday school. Because not only do you need it, but you need it for other people who are not yet in community. And this is the reason that we do the things that we do. The fall festival is next week. Fall festival and coat drive. So there's a bunch of flyers. John's got the flyers right there. For anybody that wants one. If you want a flyer, raise your hand. Everybody raise a hand. Give everybody a flyer. <laughs> the reason that we do things like the coat drive and, and, and the fall festival is not because, you know, we were looking for something to do on that weekend. It's because we want to draw people in, into community. We want to help people. We want to prepare the way. It's like when you go into a hospital, have you ever noticed when you go to an emergency and there's anything wrong, what's the first thing they do? They typically put a drip in you. You might not need the drip. It's there, ready for just in case. That's what community is. Maybe you don't need the community, but if you're in the community, it's there ready for just in case. You've got people in your life. You've got strength in your life. So that's why we do these things. Toy run, thanks giveaway, living nativity. So I'm bringing this to you now because our strength, you've got to play to your strengths. Our strength is our community. The more people we invite into community, the stronger we get. We need to be out there inviting people because it is going to get tough. And they need an anchor point. We've got anchor points. But they are going to need an anchor point that we can invite them into. You need to come and be a part of this. It's a good community and we'll be strong together. Not going to change the stuff that's going on in the world. It changes how you respond to the stuff that's going on in the world. It's easier to face a battle when you've got someone by your side, isn't it? It just is easier. And if you've got a whole group of people by your side, man, it's so, so much easier. So let me tell you what you can do for the... So next week, we're going to do service out on the lawn, pray for good weather. Service is at 10.30, then the, the fall festival starts at noon. Coats. We need candy. We need individual bags of chips. We need water, and we need Cokes and soda. So if you can, somebody can pick up some of that stuff and bring it, because we want to give away as much as we can, and then Hungry Souls is going to cook food. What, what are we having? He hasn't made up his mind yet. <laughs> it's a surprise, okay. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Okay, I'm going to bring this to a close. It's a verse that God put on my mind a couple weeks ago. Right at the beginning of this series, Hebrews 10, verses 35 and 36. It's a scary verse for me, and I've memorized it. Did I share this with you last week? 
I shared it somewhere. <laughs> so I put, put it on my um, steering wheel. Taped it on my steering wheel. And I didn't realize how much you've got to look down to stare at your steering wheel. There's been a lot of accidents in the last couple of weeks. But I have memorized this verse. <laughs> I love this verse. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. That's faith, right? This is Paul talking to Timothy. Uh, sorry, this is Hebrews. I don't know who it is talking to who it is. We don't know who it is. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all he has promised. I've just been going over that verse over and over and over. And there's some scary things in there. Patient endurance is what you need now. Why? <laughs> then you will receive all he has promised. So let me ask you a question. Did I put it on there? Yes. What has God promised you? What has God promised you? Say that again. Life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, everlasting love, everlasting life, hope beyond hope. He has promised so much. This is our hope. This is the bedrock of our faith. This is why we need to be rock solid. This is why we must not be afraid to say, Lord, test me. I want to get better at this. I want to get stronger at this. Lord, test me. And it's not about you. It's about him. Show me how to trust in you so that I can get this wonderful reward you have for me. Amen? So, I have something for you, for some of you. You know, we pass the test on community. Do you know what we don't pass the test on? Marketing. We are horrible. <laughs> we need someone to help us. I'll be praying about that, whoever you are. <laughs> so we had a bunch of lawn signs made. On one side is the fall festival. On the other side is the living nativity. Hey, pretty cool. I got 50 of them. So there's not enough for everybody. If you live in a spot that's quite prominent that people will see it, I want you to come and get one, okay? The metal stands are here. This is here. I've got one in my yard already. So sh shall we distribute them or get people to come up? Randy, help me out. Come up. I like that answer. All right, let's pray. Nice smooth ending. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are with us no matter what troubles we may be facing. Father, when we are in the midst of temptation, you are there to strengthen us. You are there to show us a way out. When we are in the middle of trials and the stuff that, that life brings to us, you've promised us never will you leave us, never will you forsake us. And Father, sometimes you bring tests to us to strengthen us, to build our endurance. And I know that sometimes we resist those tests. Father, I pray for each and every one in here today. I don't know where their confidence is at in you. I'm going to pray on their behalf and they might not like me. 
Father, test us that we may be the people that you've called us to be, that we may have the strength that you want us to have, that we may trust in you to a greater degree than we trust in you right now, Father. Test us and strengthen us that we would be your people. Father, I pray for the fall festival and the coat drive next week. I pray we get lots of people here and that we're able to touch lives and reach lives. Father, for each one of us in our communities, that we are open to just being welcoming to people and just saying, good morning, how you doing? And just starting a conversation that might lead to something greater. Father, let us be your ambassadors. Let us get above our fear and our apprehensions and see you work through us and in us and to us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm doing this last bit. I haven't done it for such a long time. May I have those come forward, please, who are going to take up the offering? Three things for the offering. One, two, three. If you're a guest with us, we thank you for coming this morning. Somewhere in a seat in front of you, you'll see one of these cards that says, we're glad you're here. It's a communication card. We ask that you would fill it out so that we have a record of your visit. We won't bug you. I'd like to send you a letter to thank you for coming. Envelope for your tithes, if you'd like to use an envelope. And then somewhere are prayer request cards in the back of the seat. If you have a prayer request, just write it on there. If you want it private, just check off pastor only. Fold it in half. I'll be the only one that gets it. We have a prayer chain that we would love to pray for you. So all of that goes in the basket. Let's just pray for our offering. Father, we thank you for the offering that we bring today. I pray that we give faithfully. I pray that we give joyfully. I pray that we give generously. Father, multiply this for your purpose, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And what other announcements do we have? So we know. Fall Festival next week, 10.30 service time outside, 12 o'clock the festival starts. Going to have a whole bunch of bikers here. Be ready. They usually stand way over in the corner. Go and say hello, okay? Go and say hello to them. You'll find they don't bite. They're a good group of guys. Don't touch their bikes. <laughs> don't like you touching their bikes. Can I sit on this? No. <laughs> October 30th, weekend after this, Sunday school starts. If you've not signed up for Sunday school, it doesn't matter. Show up at 9 o'clock. Is it 9 o'clock? 9 o'clock. We've got two classes. Chris and Amy are going to do the young adults class, and Mo is going to do the adult class. If we need to add a class, we'll add a class. If a whole bunch of you decide, you know, I've got to get in on this community, we'll add classes. We'll make community. And then the ladies are having their fundraiser, fundraiser auction, raise. <laughs> On November the 13th, <laughs> after the service, there is an auction for the women's ministry. See Kelly Leo for details. Where's Kelly? She's over there. All right. That's enough. I'm glad I got through this. <laughs> Please stand. And don't forget to come and pick up your sign. Father, again, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your holy presence with us. Father, may we be the people that you've called us to be and do the things that you've called us to do. 
May we love in the manner that you've called us to love. Father, I pray for each and every one that is here, those who are watching online, those who will watch later, that you would pour out your blessings upon us. Not that we would be selfish with your blessings, Father, but that we would just pass it forward and share your blessings with everybody that you bring in contact with us. And again, Father, give us the courage to trust in you fully and completely. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming.